Hello, and welcome to Listen to Your Heart, the podcast where we explore the clinical management of high-risk patients with established cardiovascular disease in the context of the latest Canadian Cardiovascular Society guidelines. I'm your host, Dr. George Thanasoulis, and with me on the program today is Dr. Priya Manju. Dr. Manju is an endocrinologist and certified specialist in both hypertension and obesity medicine at the Victoria Cardiometabolic Collaborative Clinic and a clinical assistant professor in the Division of Endocrinology at the University of British Columbia's Faculty of Medicine. Priya, welcome on the show today. Thank you, George. I have not done a podcast before, and I'm really excited to be here. Fantastic. We're really happy to have you. So Priya, as you know, today what we're going to talk about a little bit is, is these new 2021 guidelines. And in particular, we're going to be focused on secondary prevention and, and the high-risk uh, populations where intensive lipid lowering has been shown to improve cardiovascular outcomes. And in particular today, I'd like to focus on something that you're uh, an expert on, which is uh, diabetes and uh, metabolic syndrome. So I want to know, Priya, um, how have these new guidelines changed your practice in terms of lipid management for patients with diabetes or with the metabolic syndrome? That's a great question. This patient population has often, has, has for a long time been identified at as being at high risk of a future event. We know that patients with type 2 diabetes have a similar risk for cardiovascular disease as someone who's already had a cardiovascular event. And if you have diabetes and you've had a cardiovascular event, that puts you at an even higher risk. So we know that when we approach patients with type 2 diabetes, we're not just trying to reduce their A1Cs and reduce their risk of microvascular disease, but we're trying to reduce their risk of heart attacks and strokes because their lifelong risk of, of these vascular events is actually quite high. So we know that some of the, one of the ways that we can sort of reduce that risk is to lower the LDL cholesterol. I'd like to just talk a bit more about this particular patient population and their lipid profile, because the, one of the points that the guideline makes is that LDL is a very useful and appropriate parameter for following the lipid, the metabolic health of patients. But when the triglycerides are high, we really should not be using the LDL. And um, this is one of the things that this uh, guideline has highlighted. It's the idea that when your triglycerides are high, as they often are in patients with type 2 diabetes, we really should be using the preferred lipid parameter is the non-HDL or ApoB100. And I, I just wanted to take the time to sort of make that point again, because many of my patients who are treated for diabetes have these falsely normal or low LDL cholesterol. So, you know, I really like that the, the guidelines have focused on the non-HDL in this patient population. And I think uh, it's... Um, it's brought to the forefront that a lot of patients with diabetes are not being appropriately managed. Yeah, I think that's a great point, Priya, and I think, I think you, you highlight that very well. I mean, I think we know um, how important these alternate metrics are in general, but specifically in the diabetes and metabolic syndrome uh, patients where, as you mentioned, often the LDL cholesterol can be falsely low and therefore you can miss patients in secondary prevention that require much more intensive uh, therapy yeah. with high dose statins or, or PCSK9 inhibitors. And I think the guidelines have definitely highlighted 
that aspect of, of care. So that's definitely an, an area where there's been major changes. I was also maybe, you know, you, you touched on this a bit and you said, you know, these patients with diabetes are at high risk. And certainly if they've had a vascular event that are at even higher risk, what, what is it about the, the, the patient with diabetes that makes them so, such, at such high risk and a good uh, candidate for uh, treatment intensification? I think the patients with diabetes have a very, very specific metabolic milieu. We know that their cardiovascular risk begins long before they actually develop type 2 diabetes. And so I think there is this, the, the contribution of time before even the development of diabetes to, uh, contributes to their high risk. So, you know, in the UK PDS study, they've actually looked at patients who have pre-diabetes and they've noticed that as your A1C increases, your risk of cardiovascular disease increases. And that's even before the patient gets to the threshold for the development of diabetes. That's even when you track A1Cs in the normal range. So really, by the time you develop type 2 diabetes, the, the, that risk is very well established. And I think that's one of the things that contributes to the risk, the fact that it doesn't just start when you develop diabetes, but it's been there before. And it's associated with the other risk factors that track along with that visceral adiposity. We know that hypertension and visceral adiposity, higher levels of inflammation are associated with visceral adiposity. There's a lot of focus now on fatty liver disease. And uh, the patients with fatty liver disease have a higher rate of type 2 diabetes. Patients with type 2 diabetes have a higher incidence of fatty liver disease. And patients with type 2 diabetes and fatty liver disease are at higher risk of incident cardiovascular disease. So not only do those patients have a higher um, rate of developing cardiovascular disease, but when they do develop it, it tends to affect several vascular beds and their outcomes post-cath um, and post-PCI are, are worse. So there are many things that contribute to the cardiovascular risk in a patient with type 2 diabetes. And it's not just LDL cholesterol, it's the inflammation. It's also the long exposure to those risk factors before they develop type 2 diabetes. And, you know, and I think it's important to stress that early intervention and early management of those risk factors, particularly the lipids, have been shown to be very effective. And we have the tools for this now. So, you know, I just, if, if, if I can, I'd just like to talk a little bit about the therapies that we have. We know that, that statins have always been an option for patients with type 2 diabetes, but PCSK9 inhibitors are, have been shown to be effective, have been shown to be particularly effective in this patient population. And we now have medications like Vasipa, which effectively targets the residual risk associated with patients with type 2 diabetes who have these higher triglycerides. So we have a lot of options to cut into that cardiovascular risk. That's a, a fantastic overview, um, um, Priya, of, of these, um, you, know, you know, very interesting patient population that clearly, as you point out, have a very different cardiometabolic milieu 
And, uh, you know, I think the, the, the most important um, point you made there was that today in 2022, and especially with these new guidelines, we have several um, therapies to try to reduce uh, this risk in this very, very important patient population. Um, so perhaps, you know, you know, coming back to your, 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 your clinical practice and, and your expertise in, in, in treating patients uh, with diabetes, what would you recommend to our listeners as a, as a take-home you know, practical or a clinical pearl about the management of a patient uh, with type mm-hmm. 2 diabetes and secondary prevention? Yeah. So when when I talk to patients about diabetes, I, I say that A1C is only part of the story. And I think it's important to address the cardiovascular risk separately. Explain to patients that the diabetes confers a higher cardiovascular risk. Lowering their lipids lowers that cardiovascular risk. I would be very aggressive about getting them to target and treating their cardiovascular risk reduction as its own issue that deserves its own appointment and its own focus, because you're asking patients to take these therapies lifelong. They are effective, they're well-tolerated, and I also have a very low threshold for intensifying therapy if there is any progression of disease, whether that be on imaging or subclinical disease, or whether it be that the patient has had another vascular event. And I think with lipid management and cardiovascular risk in this high-risk population, the key is staying on top of it and addressing it on its own at least once a year with your patient. That's a fantastic approach. You know, I think, um, you know, the idea of going beyond uh, the hemoglobin A1C and the glucose parameters and really focusing also uh, in, a, in an entirely separate mm-hmm. visit on, on the lipids mm-hmm. um, and really intensifying therapy when, when patients yeah. uh, remain above those, those thresholds yeah. is, is really, really critical. Um, so, you know, Priya, I want to thank you so much today for uh, answers to, to these uh, questions. Um, I also want to thank our listeners uh, for tuning in to the Listen to Your Heart uh, podcast. We hope you enjoyed our discussion of the uh, diabetic and metabolic syndrome patients. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts, and stay tuned for new releases.